0: So, Ethan, here, I've got a, an M42 mount lens. This is kind of interesting. It is a um, 135, it's an f2.8, 135 Hanamar, so it's Hanamex. Um, over here, I have a Minolta MD uh, mount. Uh, this is really cool. I got both of these from Mark O'Brien um, Mark O'Brien, um, lives in Asheville or near Asheville where I was, um, uh, vacationing for the last, uh, 10 days or, well, I've been back a little bit, but where I was vacationing. So we got together. It was really cool. Other than Nick, um, he's the only other podcaster who I've actually met, um, uh, which I thought was really cool. He's a really nice guy. And he gave me a box of things. And this is an MD mount. It is a, um, uh, macro focusing. So it's a helical, right? Helicoid MD to MD. And it's uh macro focus and it's a two X macro, which makes it twice as good macro because macro is really one-to-one. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's nothing, it's a one to two doesn't work. Okay. So here's my question of all of the mounts that are out there, all of the lens mounts that are out there that you've used. um, Number one, I want to ask, what is your favorite lens mount and why um, to use on the system? And then, what's your favorite lens mount and why to adapt?
1: Wait, sorry. What do you mean by the system?
0: Uh, that's used. Okay, so you would use a Minolta lens mount on a Minolta.
1: Um, I see. I see. Versus, not like a system that I'm building.
0: Not a system that you're building. Although you could build it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so yeah. So um, Eric um, is ready to go with us. Oh yeah, so I got
1: him hold on I gotta find the window uh, okay for those of you listening at home uh Nick is MIA sure, I it. Uh, okay well you can't let oh. him in I gotta let him in but I gotta figure oh, okay. out what window Admit. oh you send
0: him you send him the yeah. link and all that type of stuff okay okay sounds good
1: um, um oh good morning good morning,
0: morning. hey sunshine <laughs> so here's the question, and we'll explain this to you um, at is, a break. we is Nick we're, okay? Yeah, we think so, he is. Um, he just okay. um, he just decided to play hooky. Um, so er, so we brought Eric in, and right now we're in the middle of the question and uh, answer session at the top of the um, homemade camera podcast, and the question. No is what is your favorite lens mount to use natively? So, like, this is an M42 lens mount. Mm-hmm. Um, this is an MD to MD focusing helical I got from Mark O'Brien of the FPP, um, uh, which is of not the LFPP of which Eric fame, um, fame. in fam- fame, famously is part of. Um, so. What is your favorite mount to use on that system? So, for instance, like a contact mount is a pain in the ass on a contacts. Um, uh M42s are a pain in the ass because they don't always, you know, automatically stop down apertures. So what's your favorite lens mount to use? We'll start. Uh, Ethan, are you?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, i i mean it's a simple yeah. boring answer probably nikon or like a m mount you know okay so so
0: let's ask nikon so that is you're a, a, in a native
1: system you're saying nikon right yeah yeah because well i like those lenses and i like those bodies <laughs> I mean, okay oh uh, baby yeah
0: um but um yeah okay and why m42 though though is it the exact same thing or uh, not m42 m39. uh
1: M. Yeah, yeah right okay so i like m39 screw mount too but uh again yeah. same same deal is like those are the nicest lenses i own i like shooting with them mm-hmm. and LEGA cameras are nice i mean i have uh favorites yeah. that are outside of that like i don't Generally, build cameras around Nikon or Leica lenses, right? I uh, enjoy Mamiya press lenses because they make things. That's the work. second.
0: That's the second half. Uh, Let's I'm hear sorry. from Gary.
2: <laughs> oh, it's a two-part. Yeah. Um, it's a well, I guess native, native, like if I'm not building a lens and I just have systems, um, I've always shot Nikon. Like, and it felt like when I was going to school. Uh-huh. When I was going to school, I'm not gonna say how long ago that was uh like especially in the in the p j yes, the go journalism set
0: the last century yeah yeah exactly <laughs> um
2: it that always like fell age. yeah, it yeah. always fell super cleanly, either you were a nikon or you were a canon person, yeah, and that was it unless and then later on, like when she became a junior and a, and a senior you became aware of of the magnum crew and that sort of stuff, then it was like you drooled over the like a Rangefinder and yeah. probably couldn't afford one uh, unless you came from a, a well-heeled family or a guy gifted something or whatever. But like you, you saw your, your, your documentary photography professors with their Leicas and you were just mm. like,
0: oh. Yeah.
2: Hi. So I'm an icon that. guy. I've been an icon yeah. guy for a long time. Sure. Um, but due to a recent trip to Germany, uh, actually not that recent, a couple of years ago, I love my Pentagon sixes. They're quirky, they're funky, they're fucking brilliant. The native lenses are amazing. That is
1: my third favorite mount. Absolutely.
2: They shoot super well. um, And they make great platforms for handmade lenses.
0: Okay. Well, We're into the second half. Uh, Ethan, Ethan, what what lens system, lens mount do you like to adapt?
1: Yeah, I mean... So, large format lenses take care of a lot of the issues of camera building for you, as do Mamiya Press lenses. But, you know, I might have a, a thing or two in the hopper involving Pentacon 6 mount, or or as I would call it, a. And uh, we can't keep... see you, by the way. Oh, what? Yeah. Well, here we go. I was
2: going to say, I don't know
1: why you're seeing my giant head right now. <laughs> um yeah no i i really dig the pentacon 6 mount or or the kiev 60 mount is how i know it right when i was in high school Mm -hmm. and was totally broke uh you could buy a kiev 60 with a lens and a finder and like ready to roll for like 120 bucks new oh wow okay Uh,
0: i'm thinking maybe um just as they were starting to be imported to the u.s maybe 85 they were 400 bucks um or at least the kiev 88 yeah um, the yeah were
1: terrible they had shutters yeah. that would lock up the 60s had their problems mainly with overlapping frames and poor frame advance which i have fixed on huh. two of three of my kiev 60s um unfortunately i didn't have those abilities in high school and so eventually i had to adapt those lenses huh. to uh, Mamiya M645 bodies for which I could not afford lenses at the time and the lenses were beautiful but I didn't really love 645 and they were also just uh, stopped down like there was no auto aperture on them when you adapted them mm-hmm. and it was a big pain in the ass I was happy to get away from that system eventually um, you know Hasselblad is nice and it's an easy answer and that's generally what I use because it doesn't overlap the frames uh, and require me taking the body apart to adjust everything but um, man, my Kiev sixty, like a rsat C or a Vega, uh, is super nice lens. Maybe nicer than mm-hmm. my Hasselblad lens. And
0: and I like the Bronica version of Hasselblad because of the money. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, uh huh. But also, uh, here here's the thing: uh, talk about uh, framing or lens counting and and overlapping and all that type of stuff. This will always take um frame 12 point5 um it uh I think it's permanently jammed on 220 um, so it takes well, it doesn't even do that. Um, it takes a half a frame on that last little tiny bit and uh and then it lines on like it's done, but it takes a 13th frame, which is um yeah you know Strangely. Graham. In,
1: in my years of buying and selling cameras um uh-huh. i am you know the etr and the sq and even the gs bronica series are very mm-hmm. nice uh, i prefer hasselblad but i mean mm-hmm. you know yeah. at any price is uh, a little bit different but the sq series yeah i maybe 95% of the time something was wrong with them and it's yeah. partially due to age and partially due to maybe crap lubrication that they didn't yeah. know would all dry. But you know, those cameras, I, I just I don't trust them any more than I yeah. trust.
0: Well, yeah, my Bronicas, you know, it's
1: the S series. This is an ECTL, but
0: it's part oh. of the. It's the last of the S
2: series. S two S two A. I used to have S two As. Yeah, I can't. I I've been burned. The the shutter, Ethan probably knows this, but their shutter system is overly complicated. They're avoiding a patent or something and they're super prone to failure. They slide down.
0: Yeah, it slides down. But what that does, um, uh, it finally struck me what's going on with that. And that is those lenses, I don't have one sitting right here, but those lenses have a a, uh, back of the lens focal distance of like 50 millimeters and they're super deep so so it had to slide down in order to use those nikon lenses and i think that that's part of the deal was they went to source lenses from nikon and nikon said well we have this lens and they said oh right let's figure it out let's use that i actually I actually think, in,
2: and I'm sure some camera historians someplace can correct me otherwise, but my understanding is they came up with that overly complicated mirror slide down system to avoid some sort of patent pissing match with Hasselblad or other major makers oh. of the day. And so they had to come up with a different way for their mirrors to, to work. And that was how they did it. And as a result, when it came time to manufacture lenses, they went to Nikon because they didn't have the ability to do so. And Nikon was yeah. like, oh, well, because Nikon wouldn't make. A lens like that for funsies, like it—it it doesn't work with anything. Yeah. To have something sitting that deep for media format, like they would not yeah. have been like, oh, you know, for shits and giggles, we're going to do a massive industrial design effort around a funky lens, and then wonder what we're going to do with it. I'm pretty sure that came after Bronica came to them and said, "Hey, <laughs> we need lenses. Here's a system." And the yeah. Nikon designers were like, "Oh, well, this gives us some interesting possibilities. Let's do a thing." Yeah. Um, at least, okay, at, least, so, at least that's that's my impression from my, yeah. my like year and a half with with Bronica S two A's. Yeah, um, they're um, brilliant cameras. I just don't trust them anymore. I've had oh, two of them I, die on me like that, and I just can't.
0: I've. Th- this is exactly had, how I feel. Yeah. Um, I,
2: I love their design. Like the '50s Cadillac, Cadillac design on those things is fucking gorgeous. Yeah. I think that the sexiest looking cameras out there. They look so cool. They look yeah, like a and fucking he put Cadillac. His own name on it. You They're know, so good.
0: Yeah. Um, the the thing that is, and for those of you who have never seen it, um, many of you will, will be aware of the Jupiter 12 that has uh, an element that goes so far back into behind the flange that it can damage sensors on uh, mirrorless cameras. Yep. It's, it goes that deep. Well, the Veronica had the same system except the front glass on some of them, sits behind the flange. It is that deep into it, which is just yeah. crazy. It is absolutely crazy. Okay, so um, so I um, I asked that question. I don't really have my own favorite, but um, uh, but I you know um, I I never got along with Nikon. Um, I was much more of a Canon person growing up and and Eric we can fight over that and everything else that we were planning on
1: fighting over. I'm on team uh, Eric for this one.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh wait, you're with Eric? No, wait, you're you're with yes. me on the whole idea that optics are math.
1: So let's well, yes. let's get, <laughs> it was, well, That's for your yeah, we'll, podcast. I'll
0: yell at you yeah, we'll, about that later. We're that's a different, different fight. Podcast on uh on this. Huh. So um ethan do you got it all queued up are you ready to start the homemade camera podcast do you have oh, the music
1: i think i probably have the music and... okay and we
0: weren't even started
1: okay and um now. okay there we go
0: oh and we're here and we're out oh my god it was that that was quick uh by the way i think i'm i'm proposing a change to the name of this it is no longer the Homemade Camera Podcast. It's the Homemade Camera Authority. Okay. Well, I, think <laughs> I don't know that I'm it, an
1: authority on anything. No, yeah, we,
0: yeah. we collectively are, and uh, from now on. I'm All I can think
2: of when you say that is Yeah. Literally saying, respect
0: hey, my authority.
2: Like, I can't. Okay. I'm, I can't.
0: I'm not so... Sur- I'm not so scarred by. Um,
2: oh, it's not scarred. I think it's hilarious. It's just yeah. my immediate association. Okay, sure.
1: are we ready to start? Okay, the
0: yes. Authority? So, um, <laughs> I, I uh, have been talking with Ethan over the last week um, about um, what the subject of the show is, and Ethan has been. No, we got to hold it for the show. No, we oh, got to hold it for the show. Um, and he said it just like that, yep. um, just like I just said it. Um, so Ethan, what's today's show about?
1: So today's show, uh, mm-hmm. I just wanted to show you some things that I've been working on and show you where I'm oh. going because I'm about to get there. But these, uh, okay. we we couldn't find Nick this morning. He's probably out logging in the woods or mm-hmm. you know building a nine million pound steel sculpture in his shop. But uh, with a camera, yeah, we have built it. Uh, Eric, and and this is, okay, so this is a uh, throwback to about maybe 18 to 24 months ago on this podcast. We issued a challenge, uh, which SD, SDC, this is
0: the,
2: yeah,
1: so we issued a challenge about two years ago on this podcast about, Uh, bring yourself up into the full screen so everybody can see you. For those people who are watching all right all right uh so we issued a challenge on this podcast about uh, two years ago talking about self-developing cameras and the idea was based around the afghan box camera and um i i'm sad nick is not here but um i think in two or three weeks we're gonna do an episode with my buddy joe van cleave and uh we will make sure nick is here and we can blow his mind a little bit more so anyway the idea was you know an afghan box camera is basically a large format camera with a box and an arm sleeve and a little dark room in the back so you can make uh prints kind of like a polaroid and um we all kind of said we would make one and and like the simplest version was like a developing tank with a hole drilled in it my buddy joe made one of those and then i made this uh, proof of concept which actually became a product that i've sold of uh, this is the Pinholio, um, which I'm not going to talk about too much, but I'll just do a quick recap. It's got um, uh, this back for paper. Um, take a piece of paper in here, and then it's got a double flange that the back slides into that uh, prevents light and also that is box
0: within box within box. So yeah,
1: yeah triple box sliding design, uh, which works as a light baffle and a frame, um, and then it has a dark slide. Uh, stop behind the lens. Okay. So you, you can um, slide it up, take a picture, slide it down, and then the lens is actually mounted on this like screw cap. And so once you've taken a picture you can screw the cap off, and then there's another screw cap with a um, uh, light baffle in it, just like a developing tank, and then you screw it on, and you pour chemistry in, and uh, develop the picture. When you screw
2: that that on and off, does it expose the paper at all, or is it completely like proof? No, it's, it's got, completely out. like proof.
1: The, I don't uh, know if you can see, okay. if you're watching on YouTube, the uh, slides behind the lens. Oh, brilliant. So, you know, this was, I think, pretty clever. But I just made this as a proof of concept of where we were going. Is I wanted to replace the 20 by 24 Polaroid. Um, and that's been sort of a goal of mine for five years now, at least. Uh, Elsa Dorfman is one of my favorites of all time. She shot almost exclusively on that camera. Um, and, you know, it's it's been sort of in the ethos for, I don't know, since the late 70s, early 80s, there were only seven of them, but they were really cool, and now they don't make media for them. So anyway, yeah. um, I made this guy. Uh, it became a product. COVID hit. We got into other things. I started building scanners, and we kind of lost track of it. We never really recapped other people uh, in their their self-developing projects. Although there's a dude, uh, with a very similar product coming to Kickstarter, but I got something better to crush him with. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So a bunch of, uh, 18 months ago, two years ago, uh, my buddy Joe and I were working on, uh, direct positive reversal processes. So, um, Developing regular shooting like a paper negative on color or black and white paper and developing it So it comes out directly as a positive and we got pretty good at it I don't think I have showed you any of these But I'm gonna show you some 8x10s that we shot on our sliding box camera and developed them inside of a prototype of a Self-developing back and I'll explain what that is later, but I'll just show you sort of the types of results so um, this is a photo of my buddy Joe. We have a lot of portraits of each other as we were working on that's, this. That's usually how this works, right? Yeah, right. Not not necessarily going for art, just can we get color and tone? And so, you know, the interesting thing about this is this came directly out of a camera. There's no negative, there's uh, no intermediary process. We shot this and developed it inside the camera or inside the
0: back. And for everybody who's listening, this is a, an 8 by 10 piece of paper
1: that is uh
0: that has i mean it's just a portrait photograph um that never had a negative correct so right. first and, gen- and
1: was developed in under five minutes uh inside of okay. it, without a dark room right so um this is something we talked about with um sam troxel on a fairly popular episode a while mm-hmm. back he built a 20 by 24 sort of beautiful but untenably large camera for the purpose and he was working on that process Um, this is a photo that joe took of me in black and white with a slightly different uh black and white reversal process again no intermediate negative It looks scary yeah this is after a long day in the coal mine no it's yeah um, this is a black
0: and white and um that is ortho
1: yeah, so it kind of looks um, like a tintype, right? It doesn't register red. Yeah. My beard is black. I look scary. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. we, we had a bunch of success with these guys. Here's two others. This one's actually on a homemade lens, um, which oh, cool. is in the hopper. Um, and hey. this was my buddy Gerson. Um, so we had a bunch of success, and we actually did these in a self-developing back prototype. Which worked great, but you know after a couple hundred shots it uh, kind of just got broken it wasn't as robust as I wanted to make it for a product and um, we we wanted to finish getting where we were getting before I just released like an eight by ten back and so a couple of weeks ago I got back at it and um, I'm not to 20 by twenty four yet but I'm real close. I have some drawings to show you from SOLIDWORKS. But I will start with this thing. Um, So what I'm holding up looks like a 4x5 film holder, only it's a little bit thicker, maybe an inch, inch and a half thick, but has the front profile of a 4x5 uh, film holder, standard large format. and it has this little, uh, on the top, trough that's under one of the holes of the dark slide uh, dark slide hole, right? So you pull the dark slide out and uh, a frame goes in here with some embedded magnets. Uh, there's magnets in the back, and so you put your paper in the front, put the frame over it, you drop the magnets and they just snap into place because, uh, you know, that's how magnets work, it's magic.
0: But so apparently just... you have a metal back to
1: this. No, I don't. I, there's embedded magnets in the back. It's all... Oh, okay, connected. so I it's... I didn't want it to be reactive. Yeah,
2: it's, it's a super strong little, like...
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. ...railer science magnets they magnet used to be able... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you used to be able to get at uh, Radio Shack. I miss Radio Shack.
1: Oh, in the days of Radio Shack, they did not have neodymium magnets. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, anyway, so, okay. Um, the thing that's different about this from a normal film holder besides the price cheap at any price no uh is that it has uh the same sort of light baffle as we saw on the pinholio where you can directly pour liquid into this and use it as a developing tray um and everything's waterproof inside um and then you know we've used this on joe's intrepid and we laser cut a frame that pushes the uh the focusing screen back so that the focusing screen is at the correct film plane for this back instead of a standard you know four and a half five millimeter uh, flange distance on a normal film holder and so you put your um, I don't know where it is you put your uh, shim in you focus you take your shim out you put the back in you take a picture you pull the back out and then you can pour some chemistry into it and you can make let's see um, the The process for the four by five, and and this was all like in service of twenty by twenty four. But you know, there's five hundred dollars worth of materials in a twenty by twenty four back almost, and I I can't prototype seven of them, one for space, two for cost, and so I wanted to get you know kind of this four by five done and done nicely before I moved on to even eight by ten, but we'll we'll get there. So we used it for some. Direct Harmon prints. Um, and we've been uh-huh. thinking about working on this with a monobath, so it would be just a one chemical pour in. Yeah, like I was I was months.
2: gonna ask you about the chemistry because the reversal process, at least as I've done it with my buddy Vince, who like who has mastered this. Um to yeah, like you've seen some of the stuff I'm, that I post on Instagram, yeah, right? Universal. Like the video stuff. Like Very that's that's Vince's process. Sharp <laughs> yeah, but, but the business that was with R C paper. So Vince has it dialed, but it involves some very, very, very environmentally unfriendly bleaches yeah, and so things that don't go down the drain that you need like-
1: bleach. We have a different yeah. process, but we'll we'll get there. So the yeah. <laughs> the first hell um, really curious. The first I think this is gonna be the new uh, Polaroid replacement chemical process that's taking the podcasting world by storm in twenty twenty one. But um, you know, uh, this is the Uh, Harman positive tests we did. Uh, We've been thinking about working with uh, Monobath, although there's some interesting things about, properties about Harman paper that may make that difficult, but this is just, you know, developer rinse and fix. Um, And then we did some uh, direct positive reversals. Um, This is on regular RC paper. Uh, It's hard to see. This is glossy and light set up in my shop, but um, that's a photo of Joe that I took. There's always a photo of Joe or a photo of me. Um, and that's a pretty quick process involving hydrogen peroxide and, uh, citric acid rather than dichromate bleach and more or less battery acid that you'd get from, uh, Okay.
0: I'm gonna, oh, well, you know what? I'm gonna bring this in later on. Uh, uh I'll let you go.
2: Okay. Graham is showing self-control.
0: I'm not, yeah, I, no, I'm just thinking about how the show rolls out. I'm so, saying this with affection.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay, then we also shot some color positives uh, with this process. Um, these are on RA4 paper. And so, again, you know, all of these were shot and developed in three to 10 minutes, uh, depending upon the process, in this guy. And so. Uh, just to test this, right? And so this is a new product that I will release in the next week or two, um, and these are makeable. You know, it's not where I'm going, but it is uh, it is a prototype for a larger thing that I think people will really dig, right? There's no more Type 55 um, or, or 4x5 Polaroids, you know? So um, I think this is going to be a fun replacement, or even like a classroom demo type of thing, um, you know, you don't need a dark room and you can uh, do a bunch of photographic processes right. in it. And uh, some of them you can even do mostly in daylight. And so, okay, we were shooting this with a shim on Joe's Intrepid, but really I think the, the fun part about 4x5 is it's it's a tiny format. You could carry it around. So um, you guys are <laughs> familiar with the Camerodactyl OG. I made the Camerodactyl go by flipping some things around. Um, So, uh, you're familiar with this... uh, Polaroid's coming after you, man. Yeah. Uh, Locking, focusing knob and ring and the large format lens. And the difference between the OG and the Go is the Go has a shorter nose cone and a built-in thick uh, flange here. So, the glass is natively, or the acrylic focusing screen is natively as far back as... The film plane in the holder, so you know okay. these guys go together, and they make uh, you know handheld uh, Polaroids again. You know it's a little bit more involved, um, but you know the. Uh... Okay.
0: I would like one in orange with uh,
1: for a one thirty five Optar. Okay, I'm going to need not... a couple of measurements to confirm, but I think I can do that. orange
2: dude you're you're stealing simon's simon's color
1: no 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 Uh,
0: sorry sorry i was using orange for mine before simon
1: bought his first printer i told simon how to use his printers (laughs) um also i'm mad at simon because he wouldn't come on the show today, because he yeah. has a family. Yeah. Simon's <laughs> dead to
2: us. Uh, oh, oh, I see. I'm, I'm the second string, which is yeah, fair. Um, I kind of am. No,
1: you were first, but first. he didn't answer right yeah. away. Uh, <laughs> but I would have had both of you guys on. Oh, well, that'd be fun. I love, uh, I love having Simon around. Yeah, me too. Anyway, so, I mean, this is, I think, people are going to really dig this. It's, um, yes, you know, the the other interesting thing about this is it only takes 35 mil to fully cover this uh the paper in this back right so um unfortunately but 35 a, milliliters, milliliters, milliliters. yes yeah. yeah, right and, and unfortunately a 35 millimeter film can is only 30 milliliters and sometimes for a wash uh, i use like 50 but I think it's Uh so little that you could make really inexpensive one-shot chemistry and paper at four by five is really cheap, even Harman. And, uh, I think I'm just dump it in the nearest stream. Well, I might carry like a a (laughs) spittoon jug. Yes. (laughs) Um, But you know, none of these chemicals are particularly hazardous. Uh, You know, I mean, I wouldn't want to fill them out, but I might put like a, jug that is marked do not drink next to my water bottle in my backpack and just, Mm -hmm. you know, I think um, I'm going to go to CVS or Walgreens and get a bunch of those like travel uh, liquid bottles that are less than, you know, airplane safe amounts and then you could even shoot a photo on an airplane but I I don't think you should start developing film on an airplane, I do not endorse that but I think um, Stick it (laughs) on the the window to dry Yeah, (laughs) I could literally (laughs) have a uh, jug for waste and like a bandolier or a pocket full of developer stop fix or hydrogen peroxide or whatever process i'm doing and take a picture and while i'm walking down the street process it like i don't even need to stop it's so small so Um,
2: what this opens up at least for me right in my brain is one of the reasons i've avoided um especially wet plate and glass plate dry plate that sort of stuff historic processes on bike trips that are along historic routes is that you know the medium i love glass plates and i love dry plates they're really really cool but they're fucking heavy like they're so heavy and then the chemistry right to especially wet plate chemistry is just so bulky and so heavy that it's just it's just not feasible to to do that at least not without lugging actually extra 25 50 pounds of stuff um, which, regardless of, of how much I ride my bike, is still the suck. Sorry, that's yep. still the suck. But but this, like the paper, the medium weight becomes non-existent. Yeah. Um, the developer weight is still there for a long trip. But if you're using household chemicals, you can sort of like, because you can pick up vitamin C, hydrogen peroxide, that sort of shit, like kind of everywhere, right? So if you could do like a monobath or a a chemistry set that can be easily gotten and mixed from your local CVS, Safeway, wherever, that gets pretty,
1: pretty interesting. Pretty much you could do everything. You know, I I know uh, Dan Keating was... You know a wizard at this but i i like a little bit of powdered deck tall is nice and there's all sorts of arguments on you know whether or not you can split powder you can definitely split powder and um you know it's you can make a gallon of deck with only a few ounces of powder which is great and um you know you could be out for months with that amount of developer and then just pick up some salt water and uh vinegar
2: yeah <laughs> but, if, for this though you wouldn't want to carry a gallon liquid around you don't need it you only need 35 milliliters no,
1: per gallons worth of powder is what oh right 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 Maybe yeah I would something, say... and then you could just make 35 ml or 100 ml or even a liter at a time you know the mm-hmm. last time i went to the grand canyon we backpacked down to the bottom and when it, we got up um we had to go back into the backcountry office to sign out and we all weighed our packs With no water, I had a 60-pound pack. And, like, I am an ultralight backpacking guy, but 30 pounds of Hasselblad's. Really? Uh, But I'm I'm looking forward to taking some of this. Okay, so 30
0: pounds of Hasselblad's versus one Holga. And uh, think about, uh, I I hike with the (laughs) Holga.
2: It's a different thing, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, you know took, me. Very performing.
1: sharp, terrible pictures down there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I,
2: I'm a pinhole, handmade lens kind of guy all day long, but there is a distinctly different output <laughs> from a, a Hasi to a Holga. Sure, all sure. magic, all magic.
1: Okay, but, Ethan, yeah, go ahead. are you
0: are you ready to listen to a couple of um? Um, monkey monkey wrenches in the gears in the works. Questions.
1: Yeah, I think that's good, and then we'll I'll show you where I'm going with it.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just for this, I think that this is a killer product.
1: I want it. Uh, um, Same.
0: The big deal. The there are a couple of things, um, and that is, uh, I tried direct, um, you know, uh, direct positive uh in reversal positive whatever you want to call it using uh a bunch of different papers and i had nothing but trouble mm-hmm. um uh i used the right the same peroxide you use the same vitamin c you used um our citric acid um it was canning canning acid yep. um uh and i had trouble so okay. so um
1: let, let y- me deal with this monkey wrench first right? okay I'm, I'm sure you and, got more
0: and then i just have a second one
1: yeah okay so the first one is um some people have had some troubles with it uh, a lot of people have had a lot of success um yes. you know when joe and i got back to it last week after uh not a lot of after like two years of not doing it you know We had some issues with prints that kind of looked like this. I don't know if you can see that has uh, focus some staining on it because I had a dead chemical, uh, sodium sulfite, which is a clearing bath. I just got some in last night. Um, Okay. Having fresh fresh chemistry is useful uh, and makes it much more repeatable but um also there's a lot more both on black and white but particularly on the ra4 color positive process there's a lot more information out there you know we did not invent these processes we had one improvement to the black and white process and we were the first to be on youtube with it which was extremely powerful because that's you know it used to just the only place it lived on the internet was like this apog or um That went on for eleven years. That had, excuse me, uh, Ron, photo engineer, who is a wonderful man. I never met him, but I would have liked to. Uh, It had Don Frula, who's a genius. Um, It had Joe. Well, before I met him, and so we were the first people to put it on YouTube. Maybe one hundred fifty people ever read that thing on Apug, but now you know our YouTube videos are climbing past five thousand. I think, and then people who are you know, much better photographers than us, like Matt Mirage, like Sam Throxel, um, they're also experimenting with it and there's a bunch more uh, research out there. And so what Joe and I plan to do on Monday or Tuesday, aside from reviewing this next product, um, is do a thorough chemistry review with a little bit of math and a little bit of chemistry and a lot of intuition behind every single step of both processes. And so if you cannot get it to work from the next video we release, I am going to drive to Florida with a van full of chemistry and make you do it.
0: (laughs) Okay. And I'll make you dinner. I was going to say, wait,
2: wait, I can just practice and say,
0: I can't get it to work.
2: I guess you have to drive out to California. Yeah,
0: No, 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 no. No. Perfect. Eric, right. Eric, come come to Florida. It'll it'll <laughs> be a group session. Um, March, so, October. yeah. And by the way, it rains here. Um, uh, every day for the last two weeks. I know.
2: I know. Cheap shot. Cheap shot. I know.
0: I, well, yeah. Um, I can tell you about trying to mow your lawn. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, lawn. <laughs> no. Yeah, I'm I'm complaining about mowing the lawn. You're complaining about, f- you know, fire, fire season. Burning. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay, so Ethan, here's my second. Um, and, uh, and by the way, uh, my advice on this, uh, from from my point of view is, you need to be the authority, don't send them anywhere else um have your videos done before this becomes an orderable product um so that's just i think you need
1: to be the authority second one is the thing is though i mean the the product is definitely going to beat the videos to market because it's just on my website i'm not going to run a kickstarter and like you can shoot paper negatives with it you can shoot direct positives on Harmon with it and yeah. like everybody knows how to do that. And yeah, the, I can do that. the reversal process, like once you have it dialed in, it's really reliable. And like, you know, the, these were not, you know, it, we took months to get here. Uh, but once we got here, like, these are not fluke pictures. We could just do this repeatedly over and over and over uh-huh. uh, in black and white and color. And so well, I think Everybody's Joe's a good-looking good. man. I want one of them if yeah. they're repeatable.
0: Um, they okay. So uh, here is my second question, and that is, um, what's it going to cost me for a second back? I might want to go out with a couple of backs. Or maybe, you know, depending on where I'm going, you know, I may want to shoot a couple, then go down to the stream to get my water. Um, so what's a second back going to we yeah, haven't talked about it yet, but is it is it reasonable? It's cheap at any
1: price. Um, ah. yeah, so uh, I haven't figured out exactly what I'm going to sell them for, but I'm going to sell them in a okay. couple of different ways. Um, uh-huh. You, I'll make a very good deal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as always, and it might even work. Or, or so. I'll kick you off the podcast. Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, oh so, uh, the band hammer comes out. Lordy.
1: Yeah, I will take it. Um, <laughs> so I think I'm going to sell it in a couple of different ways, right? So yeah. uh, this is designed to work with any field uh, camera, 4x5 camera, yep. right? And so I will probably sell, you know, units of one with a shim or, or sell the shim separately. The shim is uh-huh. going to be pretty cheap. You know, if I make it out of acrylic, it's expensive in, in materials. It's like, I don't know, 25 or $30 just in laser cut uh-huh. parts cost to me uh but you know i think i might sell it at a very low markup just because it's something that uh people need to use this thing and then um i might sell this guy for a little bit more than the og uh but you know we we already know the cost to manufacture there's a little bit more expensive to manufacture than the og what was the og's cost again Uh, right now i'm selling them for 240 um Uh and so i might do these for like 260 and then make custom cones for this thing at like you know, 300 or something like that. But okay. you know, they'll be under 300 bucks, which is expensive, but also handmade. Also and, not. Yeah, it's not right. that expensive. <laughs> They're nice cameras and you can't get them anywhere yeah. else. Um, these backs are going to be rather expensive. Or, you know, like if you're just looking at uh, a normal film holder is $10 mm-hmm. and a, a developing tank, you know, you could buy a Stearman Press or something like that for field developing for <laughs> 40, 50 bucks. Um, and I think those that's a reasonable option for this process as well. But if you want the convenience, um, I'm thinking about selling these in packs of one and three. And so oh. I have to figure out exactly, you know, I've only built four of them <laughs> and I really need to build like 10 or 20 of them to know exactly how long mm-hmm. it takes me to assemble and how much uh you know defects I have to throw out. There probably be somewhere around 100 bucks, right? Maybe a little okay. bit more for one back and a little bit less for uh three back. So I might do like, you know, 120 for a back and then 300 bucks for three or something like that. It's um, actually not bad. No, it's not it's not terrible. We're you know, it's it's just like the the labor to assemble such a thing is tough when I'm not doing it assembly line style. Um but the labor doesn't really scale up that much as we get bigger. Um yeah, and okay. if you have no more monkey wrenches, I've I've got another I,
0: that, those were my my two.
1: Um
0: yeah. yeah.
2: Is there I can see it's not necessarily a monkey wrench, but like if you're shooting in the Field and it's really, really hot or really, really cold. Um, how does that affect, like, yeah? So the the, um, the, the waterproofness, if you, you will, or because
0: degrees, right. you Can only yeah.
1: shoot at twenty. So the, oh well, no, the back. California is <laughs> perfect then. Uh, the back will work at almost any temperature, um, but the chemistry will change, right? So, yeah, um, yeah. hotter temperatures are generally in for at least the black and white reversal process hotter temperatures are fine you might see higher contrast but okay cool and your chems will uh degrade and oxidize a little faster in temperatures but that's not a big deal with single shot um as things get cold like you know are we talking california cold are we talking i'm just way cold right so i I go take it to extremes right okay so um california cold there's probably no time anywhere in the state of california uh, in a 10-year period where it's too cold to use this thing. However, uh, let's say we are um, on Lake Monona trying to take pictures of ice fishermen with our RB67 camera and we shoot our first exposure and the shutter in my lens sticks open because it froze. Uh, you know, it, or or we could, we could go to Minneapolis and throw... Coffee let's, uh, no, let's, up in the let's air go to over... freezes before it hits the ground. That's yeah, not going to yeah. work. Although, uh, right. should.
0: we should go up to Sher- Sherry Christensen in Alberta. Right.
1: Um, I mean, you know, this is not cool. an outdoor wintertime product for those people who live in Alberta. Yeah. Actually,
2: my for question was more just like, yeah, my question actually had less to do with the chemistry, although it brings up uh, an interesting question about monobath because I've been using like Sinistil DF-96 and everything is temperature sensitive for those, like very, very specific. Um, it was more just like how uh, a lot of 3D parts, especially them, was like an expander contract with temperature and whether or not that would affect the, the back's ability to hold liquid cleanly no, without printing, leaking or light leaking, that sort of stuff. That's, pr- that was just more the question.
1: I'm printing the shell walls thick on this guy. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's... it's The, the product is fine. Uh, you're going to have some problems in real cold with the chemistry just like anytime. But, you know, we could get into doing things like uh you know, putting uh the chemistry in your armpit under your winter jacket, and like we used to do for and... batteries, yeah, 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 <laughs> <laughs> the old walkman trick <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, not a not a temperature concern, really, but um okay. you know i think I think summertime is is more pleasant if you're in northern climes, but New Mexico should be fine all year, um yeah. Okay, you guys ready to see what's next? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So... Oh wait.
0: Um, okay, is there a too hot for the material, the acrylic? Can I leave this in my car? Now my my 3D printed camera will melt, but will the back
1: melt? Yeah, I mean in your car in Florida in the summertime when it's 160 in your trunk, you shouldn't do that, right? But you also shouldn't do that with your Nikon or even like a injection molded oh. film holder. Um, i do it with my nikon i don't like nikons well <laughs> okay but all of your light seals will melt um you shouldn't do it with dude don't um, hate i won't do it with my lca right i mean like if it's 100 degrees outside you probably shouldn't leave it in a trunk but you're totally fine walking around with it and shooting it in 100 degrees uh phoenix uh, got up to 120 you're probably still fine but like i wouldn't leave it like on a hot manhole cover in the center of phoenix yeah. a 120 degree day when that thing gets up to 160 right like it'd get a little soft but um yeah i have no no worries about thermal warping i've been making these cameras for three years now and uh yeah i had one camera melt out of hundreds somewhere in transatlantic shipping i think it was I don't know how it was stored but it must have been in like a uh like a shipping t- container in the sun somewhere on a boat. It was the top
0: container and it was against yeah. the roof. I mean yeah. the camera
1: didn't melt but like the back warped a little bit. But anyway, one out of hundreds and I've sold plenty of things to California, Arizona, Nevada, uh Thailand, you know, warm places. So um should be fine. Um then we scale up ready? See the next thing okay so where i was going with this eventually is 20 by 24 right which is why i wanted to ras nick about it um but you know 20 by 24 again uses hundreds of dollars worth of materials for a prototype and it's huge and i don't have that space in my shop and so um the design for the 4x5 back does not really translate to 20x24, right? I could 3D print an 8x10 version of this bed, right? And so the base is uh, 3D printed. The the top is uh, acrylic, laser cut. Um, I could 3D print an 8x10, but it would take a week to print the body, and that's no good. And I couldn't really 3D print a 20x24 without building a bigger printer, and I don't really have space for that. And we're talking, like, Two week, three week print time for one shell, and so now we're talking about a product that's five thousand dollars. It just it doesn't it doesn't scale, right? And so, um, especially when your power goes out, yeah, or yeah, right. Like the the chances of a dead print as it gets exponentially longer is much higher. So, um, I prototyped the next design in eight by ten for the twenty by twenty four. However, uh, this is A product on its own now. Um, Again, complete with uh, a shim uh, for an 8x10 camera, right? So uh, it works just like the other one. Got this uh, dark slide. Um, This is a brand new one so I did not peel the uh, protective paper off of the frame so we could see it. And again, it has some magnets. Let's see if I can grab some magnets out of this guy. Not install the magnets yet. And so you put your piece of paper in here, um, line it up. It's got like a little pocket for alignment. And then these magnets should just jump into place. Let's see if I can do it in a way that, see, yep, one, two. And then it just holds your paper down like that. Um, And then, really, it only has one 3D printed part, which is this bonded trough right here. Mm -hmm. which again has a light baffle internally and allows you to pour chemistry through it even uh has a little pour spout here which makes it not dribble the first iteration of that had a lot of dribbling problems um and then you can pour in sounds like a dark slide (laughs) yeah um the one thing that i might change is i may like laser engrave like exposed and unexposed or yes uh, you know maybe make one of these handles white or something Um, but other than that this product is ready to go um and it'll do eight by tens it works about the same way so i don't have too much of a spiel Um, I don't have, like, necessarily a hand camera that goes around this just yet. Um, I do have some pinholes that you could use that way. But basically, um, you know, I will again sell these in packs of one and three and then uh, either separate or combined, I'm not exactly sure, I haven't built the listing yet, uh, sell a shim so that your ground glass, instead of being at however many millimeters a standard uh, 8x10 holder is, it will come back. So you can focus at this uh, thicker depth, which is really not that thick. It's maybe an inch and a
0: so, half. So Ethan, now I'm going to come right through the camera, strangle you, because now I need an eight by ten camera. So, <laughs> yes,
1: you do.
2: I was actually I was just thinking, well, first off, the one in the the packs of three is, is perfect because if you're shooting this live somewhere. You know and you have a team like you and an assistant or somebody, you can shoot it, and have somebody back there like developing it, and whatnot, and not, not pause your work. Um, so that's that's fabulous. Also, I think I already messaged you, but for like Alana Eritram's project,
1: I saw that come in.
2: That is
1: down the pipe for I th- her. I think we could probably discuss a uh, sponsorship,
2: <laughs> yeah, that's right down the pipe. Like mm-hmm. straight into the sweet spot, um, or for you know, like my buddy Vince, who occasionally will do these gigs with like Shaka Khan or like Sheila E for her birthday party, doing eight by ten positives. Dude, man, you wait, know,
1: it's, if if it's Shaka Khan, this is way too small. Yeah, actually, we're, I think it was talk about the next thing for that.
2: Yeah, actually, I think it was it was Sheila E because she's a she's an Oakland native, uh-huh. and she had her birthday party here like five like three or four years ago, and had him come in with an eight by ten and shoot eight by ten paper positive portraits and they'd set up a, a closet at the paramount theater to run the chemistry through oh, hang dry know. them and then the and then the guests would come by and pick them up as their their memento for being invited to and attending but like, birthday party mm-hmm. it was damn amazing yeah that's that's yeah so but this though you just you don't need the closet anymore yeah. Mind you, nobody should need the closet, ladies and gentlemen. It is uh, pride. That's month. Right? We you are should never need the closet, but um, sorry, just but had
1: we a understand
0: those people right. who for pride month. I want yeah. to, uh, closet release a product
1: that will get the darkroom users out of the closet. Hell yes. Yeah. yes, yes.
2: You know, I think this is this is this is fun. Okay. I obviously want some.
1: <laughs> great, great. I'm glad it's having a good reception on this podcast uh to the people who are already invested in the things that i'm doing um okay so you know i I, are you saying are you
2: saying you're preaching to the choir is it yeah
1: yeah of course of course right like who i i kind of knew that you guys would dig it and that's kind of why i've been um you know, not telling Graham what today's show, I was going to show him <laughs> all week. I was so excited. I was real excited to show this to Nick, but maybe Nick won't see it. And then, um, or yeah, even yeah. if he does the next podcast that we do on this subject, I hope to have something else finished. Um, so yeah, I usually don't like running my mouth about the things I'm going to do. I like running my mouth about the things I have done. However, you know, some some little bugger uh is trying to run a kickstarter with the concept uh stolen from this camera and so before that kickstarter comes out i am releasing at least the four by five the eight by ten the camera dactyl go and maybe a few other things so where is ethan going next um where isn't ethan going next (laughs) california i am going to california (laughs) um So um, I have more or less completed the first SOLIDWORKS model of a 20x24 camera um, and the 20x24 back, which together have 102 individual components before about 400 screws and nuts um, and maybe 70 brackets. So it's it's like a 700-part camera. Uh, I have a bit of something here, which was an early prototype for the rail <laughs> system. Jesus uh, Christ. Bro. So the rail on this camera uh, has a rear geared focusing and then a uh, front focusing. I can't really show it to you here, but, you know, it collapses down to a little over a meter and it extends out to over seven and a half okay. feet.
0: So um, for those for those of you who are just listening in your cars, Ethan held up something that's, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of an equal size item, but it was, um, it it was made up of uh, essentially two rectangles. Um, one that held the back standard and one that held the front standard, but this is just the bed of it. And it's bigger than his torso. Oh yeah. You know, it's, um, and and the idea that it collapses down to the petite size of one meter. Yeah. Um uh and for those Americans who are having trouble one yard, um uh I would not consider the word collapse
1: <laughs> down. Well, um, I mean at full size, this but, thing is uh let's say a yard by a yard by almost yeah. eight feet long. So um it is you know, I mean, I, the thing is, like, when you're shooting a 20 by 24 portrait, you don't yeah. want to shoot one to one. One to one is, I mean, my head is only going to take up a tiny bit of that frame, right? Like, if we look at a 20 by 24 sheet, it's like this. I need to make my head at least uh, 1.5, if not two times the size. And so you've got to rack that lens way out. And so, I mean, it'll slide for landscape. So what's your bellows factor going to be on something like that? Large. (laughs) I also (laughs) happen to own 20,000 watt seconds of Petitron lights, so it's not really an issue. Um, Oh, this isn't a field camera?
0: (laughs) uh, It is a field camera.
1: If Uh, you put it in the back of a truck. Right, and so I think I could shoot photos under natural light at a reasonable speed. and. You know, again, had I not been pushed by the market, I probably would have held off on this uh, to release some pretty fast homemade lenses and shutters that go with them, uh, which is kind of where I got stuck pre-pandemic. But um, I'm just going to put these out right now because Gee, you can buy if, all that stuff.
0: If if only there were some people who made, um, uh, you know, some lens punks yeah. who you might know. <laughs> yeah, they um,
1: beat me to it. Uh, but yeah. I, I have the components. Um, Joe and I had some real good tests for building uh, lenses that covered eight by tens, and I have the components for twenty by twenty-four coverage lenses. Uh, but you know, one thing at a time. That'll that'll yeah. eat a few more months after I release this. Okay. Um, so I, if if, oh, you're go gonna, if you're gonna if you
2: how much? I mean, you already, if if I may venture forth. Uh, Spend an inordinate amount of time drilling, assembling, soldering, like in in your little your little Santa Claus's like photography workshop over there. Um, so I just have to ask if if you're adding these to the mix, and I'm assuming the 20 by 24s will be bespoke. Like you'll get a couple orders for these a year, right? Um, but nonetheless, it sounds like the assembly is significant. Um, do you, the one-man shop, have the time? to do all of these if you get mass orders? Because this, like, yeah. this is on top of the scanners. This is on top of your normal camera dactyl stuff.
1: Yeah, you know? on top of a few scanners that I haven't even released over there that are ready to run Yeah, so
2: like uh, just from a, a sheer like time energy yeah. standpoint, so, are you going to start like outsourcing assembly? Because it sort of feels like you're in well, a face where either okay. you don't sleep or you need to do that.
1: Yeah, so um, one, it means charging a little bit more for these things so they outprice mm-hmm. my day job um so that i'm willing to give up some mechatronics engineering stuff uh two um i have been wanting to do this since producing the mongoose and hadn't been able to do it until the other day which is you know hire a friend's kid to run the laser cutter um yeah and so the the first immediate outsourcing that i can do is not necessarily assembly, right? You need a little bit of brains. I mean, my friend's kid was smart enough. I mean, he's a teenager, right? But <laughs> but on day one, um, I didn't have to waste any time teaching him to assemble anything, right? I had assembly to do, and I loaded the file in the laser cutter. I showed him how to put the thing in. I told him not to look at the laser. I put a cover over so he couldn't possibly look at the laser. I said, you know, what I want you to do is put the thing in the laser cutter, press frame to make sure your cut is on the piece, press start, feel what I've already cut, and when it beeps, stop whatever you're doing, change the laser cutter over and repeat. And he just did that yeah. for two days straight for a wholesale project that I had. And and the work of this project went from you know me doing that, because I'm no faster at pushing a laser cutter button. Um, and it, it's just... Uh, yeah, it's at the point where the immediate stuff that I can farm out is running the cutter. Um and then if I get lucky, I can get some pre assembly. You know, I don't I I I don't think I've built like the most impressive brand, but I, I've built some brand and like some knowledge and certainly sometimes I mess up and I have to fix uh you know, a broken thing that somebody gets or something lost no. in the mail, or whatever, and I try and be really good about that, but um I still have like enough ocd about controlling like like nobody else gets to yet do the qc control right and Mm -hmm. so like the final assembly right now and the final testing like is something i'm not really willing to give up but like there are sub assemblies that i would allow people to do right sub assemblies where the errors are obvious like bonding one thing to another inside of a jig, and then I can just use a caliper in a second and, and check. So yeah, I mean, long story short, it just makes a little bit more sense these days to make the products a little bit more expensive so I can give up on doing you know, brewery machine fixing and also so I can hire somebody at a living wage to press mm-hmm. a button and unload a laser cutter and load a laser cutter.
2: OK. Cool. End of call yeah, is nice. Yeah, well, and you don't have a, a kid you can press into quasi-slave labor like Jason Lane does, you know?
1: Right. I mean, but Jason Lane yeah. has an army of kids, right? Like, yes, the, he the does. He's, he's for him.
2: He is paying, as, as yeah. is my impression. I've never asked him, but I assume so. I mean, yeah, my kid would never do that without me paying him, so, you know, it's just that yeah. <laughs> no way.
1: Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I, aside from, like, I wish I was 15 again and I could go work for Jason, I think it was probably, like, the best summer job or, or after school job of all time working for that guy. But, you know, I think I, I might, uh, I might have a similar. Hey, we got okay. a question is, uh, Taj3D asks, would there be a camera kit the consumer could assemble? Um, yes and no. So the backs, the self-developing backs, I'm not going to sell as a kit. There requires a lot of acrylic bonding, which, uh, basically you get one shot at. Um, and so if you don't get it right, you're going to ruin it. And the first time you do it, you're not going to get it right. And so if I sold the kits, I would have to sell you so many spare parts that it would be more expensive than just a, a pre-assembled thing. Um, the Go is probably not going to become like a, like a Bronco Pan style Print it yourself. However, I do have a bunch of flat pack uh, wood pinholes um, like... You know, this is a 4x5 that, you know, the, this back could go on or a regular film back. It doesn't have the oh, straps. Move it over
0: so we can see that. Oh,
1: sorry, here. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, this is, um, you know, all put together with wood glue uh, and is pretty precise and doesn't require very much woodworking tools because of the box joints uh, keeping everything straight and together and like wood glue if you mess up a little bit you can always sand it or uh, break it off and uh, fit it again if you're quick before it fully dries and so I feel confident that I won't have to send like 30 different uh, flat pack kits to somebody before they get it right they can nail this one on the first try and then I also have that uh, sliding box eight by ten that I made with Joe which if I can slide my chair over here and grab it, oh, hold on.
2: The world's longest headphone cords,
0: yeah. Well, I'm also thinking about being prepared for your presentation, but we won't say anything.
1: <laughs> All right, okay. so this is something I just built as a test bed. Uh, this is the Cajon or copycat Cajon from uh Design of Joe's that I made that's laser cuttable, and this is just a standard like. You know, eighteen hundred style sliding box camera with a tailboard. Yep. Um, and this one, if I assembled it, it would be about two or three hundred dollars to ship uh, somewhere, even like in the U.S. It's it's a big boy, but flat, it should ship much cheaper. And um, you can just bring that with you in August. It's fine. Just strap it off. <laughs> well. <laughs> I, i'll have i got better but uh this is or actually really pleasant camera to use and it doesn't pack up but i you know for portraits i prefer this actually in use to a field camera or even a studio camera it's just like there's no movements but focusing is really quick and easy and it's um really to use. so it's pretty and you like know it's pretty. pretty i mean joe spent like an extra day, and like finished his nicely. This was the first prototype I made, and it made, and it has like all these glue marks and dirt, and like I use crappy wood for the front panel because I ruined the first front panel. Like the the kit will be nicer. The issue with the kit, right? So a bellows, you have sort sort of like a infinite range of uh, close to far focusing uh, distances, mm-hmm. whereas with a camera like this. Really, you can only go, you know, one short distance and a little less than twice that short distance before uh, you pull the box out of the rear, right? Yeah. And so the problem with this, and one of the reasons why I haven't released it, and I'm not sure exactly how I'm going to release it, is like, to some extent, I could release this, you know, in this length and say, okay, this is for a 12 to 16-inch camera and the, or lens and then release a slightly shorter one that's for a 250 to 300 millimeter lens or whatever. Um, but there needs to be a couple different versions if people are going to use all the lenses on it. Um, and why, yeah, can't I mean, you use, is, why can't you use three boxes that telescope out? I me? was just going
2: to ask. Just, just sell different box, back box.
1: And then you just yeah. have like, one design. They well, just have one so, front and three different right, but then the front would have a preposterously large tailboard for the shorter ones. It's just like i uh you know this is a good problem to argue with Nick is uh making universal cameras versus a camera that's really slick to use i mean <laughs> yeah. i'm I'm holding a big bread box here. I'm talking about slick <laughs> cameras, but um i I would much prefer at least personally to have a camera that's built. Built the purpose, I think, is this is a good Simon expression? How, how do you,
2: yeah. How do you keep that light proof on the slide? Are you like doing, you know, light proof um,
1: no, felt around it? Oh, nope. Um, so I. Because when I built my box camera,
2: it was the light proofing of the slide it was a right bastard.
1: So actually, pretty easy. Um, I did the same thing as the Pinholio. So this is a single box on the, front, on the back. And oh. then the front is a double box. Right? Got it. And so okay. um, the, the light can't just come
0: like, right. in yeah. like
1: this. It has to come yeah. in, make a turn, make a turn, make a turn, make yep. a turn, yep. and then make another turn. And just light Well, given enough way gravity, way. you can make light do that. But it's just, <laughs> you need to
2: be in space. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um the other method that I use here, I'm just gonna put these down in pieces rather than fitting them together. Um the other method that I use on like this pinhole camera, which you know, I use box joints. I like the look of these. A lot of people, you know, Graham is not a big fan, Laura, my girlfriend is not a really big fan of this sort of look, but I think it's pretty Bauhaus about the way it looks. I yeah, don't know if you can see in- I'm with there. it. There's um laser cut uh corner seals right so this actually has a frame in the back or on the inside along all the corners so like even if you don't do a good job putting it together uh so like this one i did a pretty nice job and i don't think it's going to leak but even if i didn't the corner uh you know it's like another i don't know dollars worth of wood and cuts to make them uh it seals all like like the box joint is not responsible for the light seal. So, you know, even somebody who's not good at woodworking can make these guys light tight too, without a double box system. Um so that was like my tangent on things that might be coming. Uh mm-hmm. that Taj 3D asked about uh consumer kits. And so there'll be some flat pack wooden kits, but uh as far as the self-developing stuff goes, they really like for production is going to need some jigs, right? And so this entire table I'm gonna have to make you know three or four different fixtures to bond everything uh, correctly because working with acrylic like that, you know, you you put it together, squirt the cement in, and then it's just like it's done. You, there's no second chance. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, um,
0: I think. Well, <laughs> uh I think that that. Do you have
1: anything else? That yeah. You have? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know this anything arm. else? So I've I've told you the two more things that I want to make, not including the uh shim for the twenty by twenty four. Although there probably won't be a shim because there are, probably aren't that many people already with twenty by twenty fours. You know, I think that's going to be a real expensive camera. It's going to be a real expensive camera to ship. But like, if you want a twenty by twenty four from Canham, it is a beautiful camera, and I would never knock Keith's work. Like. I aspire to be that good one day, but that's a $30,000 camera before a back. Yeah. I think I can do uh, a little bit, you know, I mean, is it going to be milled aluminum? No, it's going to be laser cut wood, acrylic, uh, some aluminum bars, but, um, I think I'm going to make it a 20 by 24, like reasonably affordable for people to buy or rent. Um, and then just like in the spirit of the homemade camera podcast, um, I have many uh, notebooks with drawings, but I, for this one, had to go to uh, this binder holding just sketches of components. It, it <laughs> looks to
0: be a um, three-ring binder that's got a two-inch spine. So
1: yeah, we're uh, for those people at home. It's got it tabs. tabs. Yeah, into uh, just drawings of prototype mechanism. Uh, and okay like, then... i'm gonna
0: take you back to a nasa um uh, uh moon launch mm-hmm. and if you think about the binders that those guys had that's about what what ethan has here um yeah
2: i was gonna say i just google around looks like the chamonix is brand new for like t-
1: uh, 10 grand seven or to so. ten yeah so uh, the, the cheapest yeah. one you can get is i believe seventy five hundred dollars right uh, but you know this twenty by twenty four. I don't expect people to want to shoot film with it, although you certainly could. Um, I expect like you know the the twenty by twenty four Polaroid towards the end of its run, when there was still media for it, it was three to four hundred dollars per frame plus fifteen hundred dollars a day to uh, just rent the camera. And so, for the price of shooting, let's say one or two frames plus renting the camera in a per day, you could just buy this whole system. You gotta buy a lens or make a pinhole or make a lens. Um and then paper is like under two bucks a frame and chemistry is about a dollar. And so we're looking at like three dollars at most to make a twenty by twenty four. Yeah. Frame. And so yep. and like you could that means, you know, I mean it takes maybe fifteen minutes by the time you like set a person up and focus. It's not like a we're not we're not street shooting with a uh fifty pound seven and a half foot long camera. But uh, if I mean, you shot every 15 minutes all day long, like you couldn't run through a hundred dollars worth of media.
2: I mean, the challenge is though, is that, I mean, I've never shot 20 by 24 Polaroid, but like paper is inherently much, much slower. And like you said, you need like 20 million, watts of flash no, so. and like enough to blot out the sun and, and make your subject blind like it's good you can only shoot a portrait every five or six minutes because it's going to take them that long to be able to see once you strobe them that heavy
0: yeah or, or to cycle the the flash or to head. cycle
2: the flash you're going to suck all the power out from the block around you brown them out and it's <laughs> going to come back up and they'll be like fuck ethan's
1: taking portraits again he?" yeah <laughs> yes. That's not true. I can I use two different sides of the room which are yeah. connected to different breakers for different power packs. But uh, I think you would also have
0: to be fifteen hundred feet from a substation or less.
1: You know, it's yeah. I mean, paper is slow, but you can still yeah. shoot really sharp outdoor portraits in sun, even shade if you're yeah, really yeah. still. You're not gonna shoot indoor, you know, natural light by incandescent light portraits without like a head brace and taping somebody's head to a music right. stand. Um, I was but, mostly
2: being tongue in cheek about the speed of the medium, which no, right. is for folks who
1: are listening. Like the, the reality I, is
2: that, that, that paper concern. is a is a much slower beast than than a Polaroid that we're espousing to I
1: mean, that that's a concern for the Camera
0: Dacta one uh, being a handheld primarily a handheld camera.
1: Yeah so I mean this thing I'm shooting. OG one. Here, yeah the the go. Um, oh, yeah. OG go. Not one. Sorry. The I mean, this thing I'm shooting at a twenty-fifth of a second in shade, um, okay. at f four seven to five six, right? And so, like, in bright sunlight, I can get maybe almost a hundredth of a second. Um, yeah, I was going to say so it's that's like, not. It's not terrible. It's not. Yeah. I'm not going to shoot sports with it, and I tell my subjects Woo. to, you know, be still. And certainly as it scales up, right? Like the 8x10, I only have an F6.3 lens. And the 20x24, I start having like a 8 or F12 lens, depending upon mm-hmm. which one I'm using. And so it, it becomes you know, more challenging and limited as the lenses get bigger and darker and have a shallower depth of field. But uh, it's, I think, very doable. Yeah, I mean, it becomes
2: um, akin just like shooting any other old... Yeah. process wet like plates. wet plate is wet plate is half an asa you know or whatever yeah, it this is. is much faster than so it's wet like, plates it's uh i'm thinking at the 20 by 24 you know where it's like an exposure of one to 10 seconds like this is still in that sort of realm of oh, okay no, I, cool, so. I,
1: I can shoot an outdoor port by 20. you know not with uh the bellows racked out all the i was players, saying, i was thinking but, but, the bellows you know, factor. At one to one i think i can shoot one mm-hmm. at about a quarter of a second okay
2: um, yeah
1: outdoor shape, totally right? okay
2: but you can even do it by hand.
1: And, and I will, because I haven't built that shutter yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: And that's, that's, yeah. I can nerd about shutters on a later date, but, um, but yeah.
0: We need to get one of these, and I say we, Ethan, you need to get one of these in Frank <laughs> Thorpe's hands. Who? Frank Thorpe. Frank oh, the, guy um, who shoots,
2: the guy who the shoots white
0: house white house or not white house nah. uh, capital photographer for nbc news
2: yeah he shoots he's like the younger version of david burnett he shoots uh speed graphics and four by fives um as part of his daily and also Rovanda. digital yeah. yeah he's a fabulous photographer yeah. um he's on my list to get onto the podcast yeah. at some point for would, um, photography
0: during uh the january sixth um rebellion um or maybe i should say sedition, treason yeah treason sedition whatever you want to say uh he was uh broadcasting live from a speed graphic uh no from his iphone but he was in there uh yeah
2: yeah he shot Um, large format after the fact Like the damage, the rotunda, and the glass, and everything with with large format.
0: So, yeah, I mean, seriously, um, uh, we should get in touch with him. We should. I say we
1: should. Eric should. Um, (laughs) uh, But um, Press agent. Yeah.
0: Um, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited about this. Um, My big thing is that as long, I mean, and you're promising that the chemistry and the developing end is where it needs to be I'm good with this. I think that this is I think this is a killer product and um and I'm looking forward to it. Um although now that I look at it maybe I don't need um uh the go uh I may just put it on my Chamonix and go um yeah. but uh but yeah I want to uh, I, I'm, I, I'd love to have uh, serial number zero, zero, zero five. Um, or something. An
1: excellent uh, deal. Okay. <laughs>
0: Sounds good. No, we make a deal. Yeah. <laughs> I, no that. I have to trade to you. I gotta say, and, um, and this is something I, it, transitioning out to the, out of the show. I got this baby. Okay. Um, Mark O'Brien, once again from the FPP, uh, gave me a box of old lenses. Most of them were uh, were like M, M42 uh, lenses yeah. uh, to, to lens punk up. Uh, and thank you, Mark, for those. But he gave me this, and this is an old Diana um, without a lens on the front. I don't know what he repurposed the lens for. But... I... Um, uh, Ethan, I'll trade you this. I'll even put a lens on it if I don't (laughs) after he drops it. I am 100%
1: done with anything smaller than four by five. but. (laughs) No, no, this is four by four. This is, no, it's a Diana, so it's four by four. Okay, I'll make an exception. Okay, you got yourself a deal partner. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. Um, Well, no. What I really want is for you guys to uh, mention it on Lens Punk. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that. Um. Uh. So. Uh. Yeah. So I think maybe we should head out at this point. Is that, uh, Eric? We. Um. uh, Do you want to talk about your project in. um, Uh, not Napa, but what's right next to Napa? That I Sonoma. Oh,
2: it's napa Sonoma, and solano it's pretty much uh anywhere in well north of here is it's the fire zone
0: yeah we're just we're just going
2: to call those counties the fire zone at this point yeah (laughs) that's kind of where
0: it is uh Um, do you want to talk about that do you want to let people know about that uh, project or or do you want to hold off until you have something
2: no no i mean it's 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 in well i'll say it's in flight the arrangements are mostly made there's a few more organizations uh i need to touch with or try to get in touch with so <clears throat> since the fire seasons it became like an official season um yeah. or the californians are realizing like it's no longer a, a one-off random thing like we're gonna have fires every year uh, I've, I've been trying for years or wanting to for years to do a portrait project around uh, the animals that are evacuated during the fire zones um, and it all started because a, a good buddy of mine uh that i used to work in motorcycle shops with Um, is, and I say this with complete affection. Um, let me see here is a rancher kid, um, from up in that area and, um, is a founding member of a group called Sonoma Napa fires livestock evacuation, which is just, it's a bunch of folks with really big trucks and really big trailers, um, who go screaming into people's places to evacuate their animals. Uh, because when the fires first started like there wasn't a service for that it was just all volunteers and they would they would bail people out with the fire like you know 100 yards from their place um so I I
0: part of the deal with this is if you have 20 horses you do not have a truck and a trailer that will haul 20 horses you have a truck and trailer that may haul six
2: yeah at best usually two. two yeah right often two or you or you have 10 goats on your property or like 10 cattle um and you need people who can load them who are good and exercise those animals because horses just don't get on any any damn trailer horses are super smart and they're skittish and you can't just like grab them like you grab a dog and a cat by the scruff of the neck and toss it into a carrier and get the hell out right Mm -hmm. um they sense panic as well so anyways uh this year we're 85 percent drought in the state of California, as in 85% of California is in serious drought. So our fire season is going to be not like August. It's going to be now. It started now. Um, And I've made arrangements with Solano County Fairgrounds, uh, um, Sunrise Horse Rescue, uh, Jameson Ranch Rescue. I'm trying to work with trying to get some wildlife rescue groups in um, Solano County Animal Control to take portraits of animals and the volunteers that care for them. So basically, I'm going to go in after they're sort of placed into the zone they're being evacuated to, usually county fairgrounds, and and just work all day uh, grabbing volunteers and staff and whatnot, say, hey, what is the animal that you like the most, that you care about the most, identify with the most, one that you check in on the first thing, the one that you're worried about? Um, Take me to that animal. Tell me its story and i'm going to take a portrait of you with this animal that's touched you like because we don't we talk a lot about the property damage we do talk a little bit about about the uh, evacuations we don't really talk about uh, the effects they have on on the animal population like like animals actually will get tre- re- tremendously uh, traumatized by this stuff um and also the people who go just above and beyond to like take care of these animals that just aren't theirs like these aren't the owners,
0: mm-hmm. they're
2: mostly volunteers who just come in to help. Um, and it's no longer, like it, I said, it's no longer a one-off. This is a
0: it is thing. Um, it is one of the best things about being um, a, a, a country, country person, I'm gonna just say, and that is you, when one is in need, you band together because you never know when you're in need uh, it's the same thing right. that you hear in droughts when farmers from Kentucky send hay to uh, Montana because people, their livestock is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, it, it's not for the money. It's for the the mm-hmm. love of what you do and the animals that you're with.
2: Right. Um, and then to, to top it off, because I can't do anything with that, like making a bespoke lens or lenses. For a project, an old uh, good friend of mine that I speaking of motorcycles, I used to race motorcycles with Um, my buddy Greg. uh, It turns out, you know, his mom has her her MFA in photography and is uh, a no longer active wedding photographer, and had this beautiful Barnacle ETRSI kit with a fifty, a seventy five, and a one fifty, and so I needed a steady camera to shoot this project with uh, that was portable and I could shoot quick. And I love my pentacons, but they're not always predictable. Um, and so I pinged him and said, hey, can I, can I buy that kid off your, off your mom? And I said, well, like, I've got this project. And he said, hold on. And I said, well, I just talked to her. We're going to send it to you because you're going to do something good with it. And we would rather have it go to somebody who's going to do something good with it than go to some like Nashville hipster. He lives in Nashville. Um, who's just going to buy it and like, not really do anything with it. Uh, so I was like, what? So lo and behold, I got gifted a beautiful ETRSI and three lenses. Challenge is, as Ethan knows, the ETRSI has a built-in shutter into the into the lens. Mm-hmm. And most of my lenses obviously don't do that. So I have to use an existing ETRSI shutter setup to shoot with this body. Um, so essentially buying ETRSI lenses with, with, fung- with fungled up glass and disassembling them, and then using uh, elements inside the barrel on the back um, to build lenses, uh, which is a huge issue, mostly because for the longer ones, you might get 40 millimeters of distance between your back elements and your front element. And that makes it really difficult to build a lens, like the standard, I'm going to take two 200 millimeter lenses and make a 100 millimeter compound lens is based on only having like one or five millimeters of space between the elements, right? All of a sudden you have 40. That fucking math doesn't work anymore. Pardon my bohemian. Um, it gets real interesting real quick. Like the, the two lenses I have right now is I built a 135 and it takes like four 600 millimeter acromats in the front and a 285 millimeter acromat in the back to get a 133 millimeter lens with a 75 millimeter back focal length. It's just a freaking beast to work out.
0: What's your aperture on that?
2: It's good, it's like f2.8. Ah, it rips, absolutely. it rips.
0: Hey, uh, that reminds so, me, are you keeping in the automatic aperture in the ETRSI yeah. lens? Okay, so yeah. you can stop it down like a real lens.
2: Yes, exactly. That's getting fancy. The, the challenge is, of course, as you noted before. In, is not exact. No, it's way off. Like yeah. the the one fifty three five. Basically, I'm I'm exposing the film at like if I want to shoot it at four hundred, I set the meter to eight hundred. Sure. And then, right. um, you know, and then process
1: accordingly. Hey, I think this yeah. is. Just- Probably a good time for you guys to plug a new project that you're working on before we're out. I mean, we basically have spent the this last little portion uh, on on. I'm a guest now on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so what he's
0: talking about there is uh, Eric and I, and also uh, Dom Silverthorn, um, who is Lens underscore Punk on Instagram. Have um, have recorded one episode, and we were coming up on uh, scheduling. We need to schedule a, a second recording of Lens Punk. and uh, that's a podcast that runs on the second feed of the Sunny Sixteen podcast called Sunny Sixteen Presents. So if you search um, for a po- search to add the podcast Sunny Sixteen Presents. You'll get ours, you'll get I dream of cameras, you'll get a ton of other It's uh, like an
2: umbrella organization.
0: Podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a cartel, that if you is, will. yeah, and that is graciously supported by the supporters of the Sunny 16 podcast. That was uh something from their um Kofi coffee uh donations that they do and they do. Um so uh so we'll have another one of those up soon. Yeah. And
2: um, the premise of that is basically just like how can how can you take um and either just munge up like take a pre existing lens elements, like just take yeah. a pre existing piece of chunk of glass, like an M forty two, take it apart and, and um, repurpose the elements inside of it for other things um, or make really simple. Like Dom is making these really beautiful, simple, simple, simple pancake, single element um, yeah. lenses or pinholes uh, for like M39s and whatever, just because he used to make really nice field cameras. He's a woods worker by trade. So the dude knows what he's about. Unlike me, I have no fucking idea what I'm about when it comes to wood, but <laughs> Dominic knows what he's doing. Like he's a woodworker by I trade in Japan. 5-8. <laughs> uh, and like, that's, that's a, especially for like a British guy, like that's not an easy road to hoe. Like, you know, mm-hmm. Japanese woodworking is very exacting. Um, so the dude's got skill and he just wanted to simplify. And so it's, it's just sort of a, a DIY lens podcast where Graham yeah. and I occasionally vociferously argue, um, with tongue in cheek, to be honest over things like sharpness and, Fidelity. not fidelity and not destroying the glass until yeah. you are ready to destroy the glass in a purposeful manner where graham's just like just destroying glass yeah. pell-mell and i'm like no
0: why not no, Why not? um yeah and and we have those debates so um you're wrong yeah <laughs> uh, but i'm right but apparently um we don't All know right. our matters uh okay so um (laughs) ethan how do people get a hold of you
1: you can find me at cameradactyl.com or at cameradactyl on instagram
0: yeah uh eric how do people get a hold of you Uh, just
2: instagram uh E-R-I-K-H-M-A-T-H-Y. yeah sometimes active sometimes not just depends on the
0: day job really nick on uh instagram is Avy nick a-v-y-n-i-c-k um I am Graham Homemade Cameras on Instagram. Uh, I am also Down the Fidelity Curve on Instagram. Um, And that's the best way to message us. You can also email me, Graham at Homemade Camera. Oh, Uh, you can
2: also catch me on the Large Format Photography Podcast.
0: Oh, yeah. We saw, by the way, we actually saw all three of the hosts in Dave Shrimpton's – Uh, dark room, Uh, Eric was looking mighty sexy.
2: That was me before I put on my hair.
0: Before I do my hair. There we go. That's right. He was bald. Um, Or any other body part, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. There we go. Um, Okay, so um, I guess uh, we want to thank Robbie Cribs um, for providing... Hey, and before we go,
1: um, I'm going to put up a chat link for those of you watching live if you want to come Say hi after the show. Uh, this is the link to the chat we're in. If you're not watching this live, make it
0: make it a bit smaller. It's still sitting outside my view, so I never know if yeah. Okay. So it is meet.google.com slash xnh-hmhg. YBE Smash and do that. Y-B-E. Do that and, and go to that live while you're uh, in your car.
1: Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> no. Okay. No, let's, don't let's do that. Robbie. A... Get out of here. And...
0: Yeah, Robbie. Thanks. Thanks, Robbie. Thanks, Robbie.